Hello? What's your favorite scary movie? Fear the Talking Queer. Part 2. Two? Who's gonna do that? Sequels suck. Hey, bitch. Hey, bitch. <laughs> oh my gosh, how are you? You sound like you got the sniffles. Girl, I have more than the sniffles. I uh, <laughs> I just tested positive for COVID-19. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I know. Are you alive? Are you okay? I'm alive, yeah. It feels like a less invasive head cold. Um, luckily for me, it's just sinus congestion, and I lost my taste and smell, so... No! That's the worst! I know. I mean, I saw the worst. Obviously, like, dying would be worse, but I mean... That would be worse. How inconvenient is it to lose your smell and your taste? I know. It's annoying. It's really weird. It's just really weird. You can taste sour and sweet and bitter and... It's spice, but you can't taste flavor of anything. It's so weird. It just feels it just feels weird. It almost feels like I'm deaf or something. <laughs> You're deaf so you can't taste food. <laughs> I don't know if it works like that, but all right. <laughs> I know. I even tried to look it up. Like, are there any easy ways to get over this? <laughs> but no, like, it's no. a brain thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. Like, yeah. That well. I mean, I hope, you know, you t- are taking care of yourself and getting rest. And it's about all I can do. The, the positive side of it is that I don't have to go to work. Hey, there you go. <laughs> so a little vacay from work while you yeah, get over this. Just a little vacation, just lounging, just isolating myself. Good, good, good. Yes, all the responsible things to do. I love that. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so, um, so we have some actually exciting things coming up that yes. we kind of wanted to talk about first. First of all, the first thing we want to say first. How many times can I say the word first? Um, <laughs> you go first. I, yeah. <laughs> we, we've been really talking about this lately, and we really want people to go out there and give us a a new Apple Podcast review. We are. We are desperate for them. <laughs> yeah, we are. You know why? Mo- mostly too is because we've gotten nothing but five stars. But some troll ass bitch. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? I'm starting to develop theories as to who this person was. Gave us one star, and it was like our first review. It was before we had all these glorious five star reviews. <laughs> like our first review was a one star with no no review. No comment, no just one Some star. Powered ass bitch. <laughs> yeah, and so we're trying to counteract that motherfucker, and um, you know, raise in the ranks a little bit. So if you are a fan of us, I know we usually say this at the end of the episode, but I I can attest that I do the same thing where I turn it off as soon as the interesting part is over. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um. So if if you could, if you're listening and you are a fan of us or you like what we do, um, please go and give us an Apple podcast review. We would really love it and appreciate it. So we want to say that right off the bat. Yes, we would love that. We also want to announce something Ooh. kind of exciting. Right? Yes, I think so. So we are going to have Fear the Talking Queers official merch. Oh my God. Are you excited? Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. It's only crop tops, only. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Don't make me cough. 
<laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no, but actually, we're going beyond just, you know, our standard logo on a couple of t-shirts. We actually have, like, quite a few different options. Yeah, they're like, you know, sayings and things that we say a lot and... Um... Yeah. You know, a variety. It's not just our logo, but you can have our logo too. We would love if you rocked that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because we're not the only fear the talking queers out there, or the only talking queers. There's plenty of talking queers. We talk to them right. all the time on Instagram. Exactly, and we need them to come up to you and say, You can say, Well, my favorite podcast is called dot dot dot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really like the des- the designs that we came up with. I think they're super cute. Uh, yeah. I can't wait to have each of them myself, to be quite honest. Me too. Um, and I th- we'll be announcing like what those designs are pretty soon, right? Yeah, come February. That'll be our special Valentine's gift for you. Yes, you can rock some Fear the Talking Queers merch how exciting i know so exciting i'm also really excited because obviously this episode is like our last january episode of our right sec- you know of our second I season can't, new year that i can't believe that a whole month has gone by almost in I january i know time it's, it's 2021 that's time is flying time is flying <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking for baggage that goes with mine. (laughs) No, but do you remember last, I think it was last year, how long January seemed? Yeah, I feel like all the months leading up to October are always the longest months (laughs) of the year for me. I don't know. Like, it's always like once October comes, I'm like, yes, but then the months just fly by. After that, yeah. Yeah, but every month before that, I'm like, oh my God. Next. This is boring, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I'm, but I'm really excited for what February is bringing. I think our lineup for February is awesome. And I keep thinking about it. And I'm like super excited for it. Me too. I think it's going to be full of romance, seduction, and death. Murder. <laughs> Vengeance. Yeah. We're going to announce all the movies for February all at once. Because mm-hmm. we just have to. Like, they, they just go so well together. I just love what we've come up with. And Me too. we have our second collaboration coming in February. Second. And we will be announcing who that is very soon. Yes. And by the way, just in case um, you haven't listened yet, Homies of Horror, we did an episode with them. Their first collaboration, right? It was their first collaboration? Yeah. Was us? Yeah. yeah. It was A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. So if you haven't listened yes. to that yet, it's a must listen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it is. It's so good. I think it's, it's one so of our good. best performances. I'm I know. Sad we, I'm so mad we <laughs> wasted it on them. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and they just were on kidding. ours as homies. well. They were on ours yeah. as well. They were our first collaboration with House yeah, of Blacks we, back in October. Yeah, we popped each other's cherries. I know. That's so exciting. So now we're on to our second collaboration, which is amazing. I can't wait. I can't. And the movie that it's about is just so, it's so funny. <laughs> I can't, I can't I, wait. I can't it's wait. Pro- I think it's going to be so the mo- funny. I think it's the movie I've been waiting for us to do since we started this podcast. It is. It was, I think literally <laughs> it's, it was the first movie that came from your lips. What movie should we do? Oh, yes. I know. This one. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so um, stay tuned to find out what that one is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to be exciting. 
Um, and also, we, like the rest of, of America, apparently, watched <laughs> Promising Young Woman. <laughs> yes. What did you think? Oh, my gosh. Oh, I have not been able to get it out of my head. The only reason I was able to move on from it was because I had to watch the skeleton key for this episode. But <laughs> I want, I honestly wanted to watch it. I watched it about two and a half times. I probably would have watched it more had my 48 hours not expired because, you, you know, right. it's only rentable for 48 hours. But um, I absolutely loved it. I hope one day we can do a full episode on it. Oh, totally. Um, once the hype dies down and all these other podcasts, yeah, you know. Yeah. I honestly, I yeah, think those other it, podcasts jumped on it a little too soon. Like, I feel like I did write a review for it, which is on our website, fearthetalkingqueers.com. There's a Ooh. movie review section, and I wrote Promising Young Woman, one in there. Um, and we kind of discussed everything that I kind of hit the head on. But for a podcast episode, I want to wait until I've seen it like a handful of times. Like I have to see it like at least 10 times. To yeah, that one's, re- that one's really deep. It's not like, you know, and I loved Freaky, which was, you know, a new release that everybody's done. But that's a little less complex of a film than yeah. I'd say Promising Young Woman is. So, I mean... I don't know. I feel like it t- it'll take time to really sink in and to see what the how culture sort of embraces it and what they feel the message is and and how the message of that film sort of plays out in the next year or so. I'm really excited to see what it does and I hope that Carrie Mulligan snatches up some awards for it. I think her performance is spectacular and um just overall, I think the movie is just so our aesthetic. It's you know, oh it's, yeah, it is. Down it's to like candles like, and everything. Yeah, neon candy colored perfection. Perfection. So if just you like want, us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was thinking that. Um, so <laughs> so if you want more of our opinion on that. Well, at least my opinion. You can read my review on it. Um, but uh, honestly, Jake's opinions are in there too because we talked yeah. about it and we basically right. were on the same page absolutely no absolutely so these are some of the amazing things we have coming for you guys we're so excited to get them to you but for now we need to get into our film today which is the 2005 hoodoo horror the skeleton key Ooh, i'm excited to talk about this me too i'm actually really excited to do this film i know. I, I really do like it so I'm- it's so crazy because i hadn't seen this movie like I saw it when it came out I, I think right. I saw it in theater I think my mom took me to see it and I then I too. hadn't seen it again until now it's really insane yeah I remember when it came out um, I saw it in theaters I really liked it I think I don't know if I owned it or I definitely rented it from Blockbuster but I remember it specifically being under my favorite movies on my MySpace profile. Oh. I definitely wouldn't consider this one of my favorite films anymore, but mm-hmm. um, not because it's bad, just because I've, you know. Trained your palate. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so it's been a minute for me. I'd say maybe five years or so since I've seen this, five or six years. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a delight to to dive back into. It really yeah. was. Yeah. I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, so let's get right into it with the synopsis where we talk about 2005's The Skeleton Key. Caroline! The Skeleton Key, released in 2005, directed by Ian Softley, written by Aaron Kruger. 
Our film begins with Caroline, played by Kate Hudson, who is a young hospice worker in New Orleans who is disillusioned by the reality of this type of work. She's despondent about the death of her own father, who died alone because she was unaware of his situation and was living life on the road with a traveling rock band. Caroline feels guilty about this and has devoted herself to becoming a person who makes a difference. Caroline finds herself confronted by the same type of avoidance that she gave her own father when a patient dies and nobody from his family is even interested in picking up his belongings. The last straw comes when Caroline finds boxes of items belonging to other recently deceased patients, all being stored in a dumpster, thrown out as garbage. She confides this in her best friend and roommate, Jill, played by Joy Bryant, and quits her job at the hospice and follows up on a lead for a position as a personal care assistant. A lawyer named Luke, played by Peter Sarsgaard, fields the phone call from Caroline and sets up an interview with the family. Caroline visits the secluded New Orleans home, which is an old mansion near a bayou swamp, and meets her potential employers. She'll be caring for Ben Devereaux, played by John Hurt, who seems to have suffered some kind of stroke. His wife, Violet Devereaux, played by Jenna Rollins, seems to immediately dislike and distrust Caroline, but Luke smooths it over and encourages Caroline to take the position. Perhaps because she finds Ben's condition compelling, Caroline accepts and moves into the mansion. Ooh. Ooh, okay. So uh, we this is a really interesting beginning. It's pretty... Um, it's not like a gotcha kind of beginning. I think we, we ease into yeah. the story pretty slowly, I would say. Or like mm-hmm. organically, as opposed yeah. to like a big set piece in the beginning that like scares us and then goes into... You know, just like that, right. like sets up that it's gonna be like a horror movie. I think yeah. it starts pretty whimsically and and or opens up organically. It does, and it it's actually a really cool opening. Like when you know the storyline and you know the ending, you kind of get this opening of like this man who she's caring after who passes away, and you know no one wants to pick up his belongings, and she thinks it's sort of sad that even his belongings, his legacy, is kind of over. So this idea of like legacy and life time right are kind of brought up and sure. so that's like immediately it just sets the tone for the rest of the film almost right yeah that this is going to be our central theme is about yeah continuing legacy to mm-hmm. um you know the meaning of life you know and in in keeping life going so i think that, yeah i think that's a it's a nice way to sort of start off what do you think of Kate Hudson as our as our lead? I think she's cute. She's I think she's, she's cute. cute. Yeah, I like her. She has this brassiness to her. Yeah, she's like a no nonsense girl. Yeah, yeah. she's kind of strong. I like her strength. I would say. Yeah, and I think it's supposed to be because of her age. Because we they have this sort of talk, which I was like, oh my god, because I remember being young watching this and thinking like she's an old an old lady, right? Right. <laughs> but, but now, I know. now, she now actually... you watch it back and she's like. I'm 25. I'm like, oh, oh, oh my, my God. God. These I, characters that I, were so much older than me, they're now younger than me. Yes, I'm fucking ancient. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's insane. I, yeah, and I sort of noticed that watching the film. I was like, she looks younger than I remember her being. Right. Because she was, and she was yeah. probably 25 years old, or at least around there when she played this character. Right. And um, I kind of like that conversation that she has when she says, I'm 25, um, when her friend's kind of questioning, you know, her career choices. And she's like, right. I'm 25, you know, what's wrong with a little change? And they're like, oh, uh, change. 
Get it? Can be good, girl, but it can also be very, very bad. Yeah, it's like spooky. when, like when your body gets changed. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, like, so this beginning, yeah, this conversation that she's having with her friend Jill, who is played by um, Joy Bryant. Uh, I, for, I, I don't know if this is just the 2021 in me. But I immediately like, like rolled my eyes and I was like, oh God, here we go. Here is a story that should be predominantly, ab- that is predominantly about a, a, something in black culture. And here we are with a white girl lead and her best friend is the black girl. And I was like, right. oh God. However, going through this film, like once we sort of reach the end, it is sort of it, I guess that was a. It's a conscious choice. Yeah, Consi- totally. considering yeah, considering what happens, like we'll get into it, obviously. But um, the remarks that are made and sure, exactly, mm-hmm. right, exactly. Uh, yeah, like I said, I I don't know if it was just the twenty twenty one in me that immediately spotted that, and I was like, wow, how was how early two thousands of yeah. them? <laughs> no, I know what you mean. You know what yeah. I'm saying, though. It's like yeah, this is about hoodoo and you know and of course the play, friend is the one that play, explains it later exa- on down the line yes exactly yeah. because then we have you know our, our all of our black characters in this film sort of serving the white girl you know mm-hmm. serving her 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 journey they're there as you know help as a they're not the to main characters this, in the to story. push her storyline forward yeah right exactly and so as as much as it's like oh I see what they're doing once we get to the end because it mm. is technically on purpose that this is the way it is. It's still like, oh God, okay. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. It actually plays out in a very cool way in the at the very end. Sure. Of, and we'll, of course, we'll talk about it, but I'm like, well, it's because she's white. <laughs> yeah, so, literally. Yeah. So I so it is technically it is important to the story, but it's still I don't know. It's I, still it like just, at first you're kind of like, what is this yeah. going to be about? Yeah, because the backdrop is New Orleans, and yeah, you know, which I think is such an amazing backdrop. Oh, I love the setting of this film. To be honest, grow like growing up, having seen this film, when I think of New Orleans, I think of this movie. Yeah. Yeah, well, because I don't know. I think of this, and I also think of Bad Girls Club. Um, <laughs> I also seven. think of uh, Scooby Doo on Zombie Island. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This classic, it's, <laughs> classic it's just film. So cool, and it has this just natural creepiness, even if it didn't right. have the supernatural sort of history that yeah. it has. But just the moss hanging from the trees. Oh yeah, it's so like beautiful and like like the goth like the gothic architecture. Oh, it's just mm-hmm. oh, it's stunning. Even you know, in as gross as like the sort of plantation things are, like those houses are really stunning. Oh yeah, this one kind of looks like uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The oh, I on a, I had to look. I looked up wh- what other films this house was in because it was like this looks like so many other plantation so many houses. Movies. The only so this one I guess was predominantly used for this film. So I watched a YouTube video where a girl literally went. She was like, "I'm going to the Skeleton Key House." It was like a that was like the the point of her video. Uh-huh. And she uh, she goes there and she gets a tour. I guess it was the house was closed for renovation, but um, this kind lady at the gift shop like was giving her like a whole rundown of the history and all the films that had been made there because they have like a whole setup like a muse- like a almost like a museum gift shop sort of deal. 
Mm-hmm. And so Skeleton Key being the biggest one, but also 12 Years of Slave oh, okay. was filmed there. And then uh, an Oprah show called uh, Sugar Queen, like on the OWN network. Okay. A show called Sugar Queen. Never heard uh, of it. No. <laughs> I, think, I think Django was filmed there. Oh wow! Uh, um, There's like a whole list of of movies, and so they yeah, so it, so it's been used in um, a lot of other things, but it wasn't the Texas Chainsaw Massacre house, and it wasn't the house from <laughs> Interview with the Vampire, which I thought it was too. Oh, which wow. is, oh, yeah. but I think those are on the same property. I think that this one is called the Felicity House. Uh, yeah, the Felicity House, and then there's another house that is close to it called the Josephine House because. Felicity and Josephine were these two sisters that owned each of the properties. And so I think of the Josephine house is where they filmed the interview with the vampire. And then the Felicity house is where they filmed the skeleton key. Oh, wow. That's really, that's cool. Really interesting, right? Yeah. Uh, One of the things that I was surprised about was that the bayou was CGI. Oh, the the one next to the house. They were like, oh, it was, there was no, there's no swamp near that house. And so it was, digitally put sure. in and I was like it looks uh, I great mean, for being yeah, 2005 no. oh I never even knew yeah isn't that crazy that is crazy <laughs> I mean fact. I guess I guess it's a, it might be hard to find that specific of a house like a huge beautiful plantation house with a swamp in the back conveniently so, I mean, yeah yeah exactly like so I mean alright work come on 2005 CGI I know I was like wow they really constructed an entire swamp with CGI good for you nice. guys good for you love it um, and then so once Caroline gets to the house we meet uh, Jenna Rollins as as Violet and she is she's an, an, a, a fucking American treasure like of an I actress so I, it's, I think it's so fun to see her playing a role like this we don't usually see older women given the opportunity to play villainous characters I mean we kind of no. do but like not to yeah. this extreme of like like villainy and um, you know I don't know I think it's such a She's cool role she's very harsh for- yeah. yeah yeah it is a really cool role for her the only thing that <laughs> and this isn't a criticism at all it's just I could not understand if Kate Hudson's character's name was Carolyn or Caroline. <laughs> because Caroline, everybody was saying Caroline. it differently. Have you no- did you notice that? Like Caroline, 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 Caroline. <laughs> her name is Carol like, Ann. name? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Carol Ann. <laughs> yeah. That'd be funny. Oh She's like, God. my name is Carol Ann. God damn it. Not Caroline. I love no. their names. Violet Devereux. I know it's so south, it's so southern. Caroline, Violet Devereaux. I know it's so like that Creole French. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it makes me want to eat some crawdads and some gumbo and some jambalaya. <laughs> <laughs> From where? Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> Joe's Crab Shack. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just kidding. No, I actually don't think I would ever eat a crawdad. Would you? Uh, probably. Yeah, I would. That sounds. I think I already little, have. It's a little too intense for me. Really? I don't like. Yeah, I don't like bugs, and those are like, wa- like, they look like bugs to me. Water bugs. <laughs> Ooh, I'm gonna throw up. I can't. <laughs> but they look absolutely fucking delicious in Scooby Doo on Zombie Island. So, it's like it's like the bugs in Lion King. Yeah, oh, yeah, like, big juicy. Oh, bugs. oh my god, they look. <laughs> the <bugs> so, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? They look so good. Yes, <laughs> they look like like um 
gummy candies or something. Yes. They look like when you bite them, they just explode with like fruit juice. Just I don't flavor. know. Yeah, like 100% <laughs> fruit juice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what crawdads um, make me. The crawdads specifically from Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island make me think of. But I don't know if I could do a real one. <laughs> yeah. Weird. But I do I do get down with some jambalaya and some gumbo. And if I can gumbo. figure out... Yes. Oh, yes. Um, so oh. good. I want to go to New Orleans during Halloween and like... Oh, yeah. Have a bowl of gumbo and go to the club and shake my ass. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. And all the gumbo is going to come out. <laughs> <laughs> shake my ass or the gumbo come out. <laughs> oh, my God. That's nasty. We're songwriters. <laughs> so, um, one of my favorite things about um, these first initial scenes of meeting Violet when she's when Carolyn is introduced to Luke or by Luke to her is how important like everything that they're saying is to like what's going to happen later as far as the twist goes yeah. because you see you really see Violet like interviewing Caroline about her past and all these uh, things that are coming to play when she is eventually going to spoiler switch bodies with her later in the movie. Right. Yeah. You know, so she like has these conversations about like, Oh, like where are your parents at? And she's like, Oh, my mom, she's dead. And my dad also is dead. And she's like, great. This is yeah. working out perfectly but then we also see the things that Luke may not have gotten perfectly correct about you know Caroline the fact that she doesn't have a New Orleans accent so she's all uh if I switch with this bitch we're not gonna sound alike that's gonna probably be suspicious but see that was my concern too because I'm like wouldn't she like just naturally (laughs) have it isn't it like her soul that has it or no Uh, I guess not right what the accent like she's not gonna go into her body and still have an accent i think she is yeah right so why does she care oh i get it she she, she cares that that caroline doesn't have an accent so people would be like caroline where the hell did you get that accent from (laughs) got it (laughs) (laughs) but also she obviously doesn't want her to have tattoos yeah, she's like, you're not all marked up, are you? Yeah, she doesn't want tattoos. She, she wants like a nice, pristine, healthy body. But to, that's also a sign you know. too, right? Like she, the way she asks her, she's like, oh yeah, you young thing. I bet you're all marked up. And she's like, marked up? You know, like, oh yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. It's like with the ink, you know, and the, like she doesn't <laughs> even know the words for tattoos because she's, you know, from the fucking... 1920s. <laughs> I know that is. Which yeah, I think just... they had the word tattoo back then, but did they? I don't know. Sure. I don't know. I wasn't born yet. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I want to be here in the 20s? I'm in, I'm in my 30s. Or was... <laughs> God, forget it. I, I don't want to. Whatever. <laughs> but also, she like. There's another one. Like the one that kind of was like weird to me. It was like, oh, she wouldn't understand the house. And like when she, she like Violet yeah. goes up to Luke and was like, she won't understand the house. And I'm like, what is that? Is it because she's not from New Orleans? Like she's not going to understand a plantation house, like the the layout of it or like her, her Caroline herself, like her character not being a local 
it's unbelievable for her to live in this house and know how everything works. I, I'm sort of confused by that one. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I kind of, t- uh, once we got to the end of it, I kind of took it as her not being black. You know, if we yeah. get to the point where it's obvious that she wanted to be in a black body and she got a white girl again, you know, and she's kind of like, she's not going to understand the house. And I think it might just be because hoodoo is so specific to african-american culture that no other culture can really use it you can't practice hoodoo if you don't have some bloodline of you know african-american um yeah yeah maybe i don't i I sort of thought thought, i wasn't sure if it was like she's she's not gonna understand the house so it would look suspicious that she's able to run this plantation house, but it's not even a plantation anymore. It's just a house. I don't know. Maybe that's a weird one. I guess it's not important, but that one sort of confused me. Yeah. It's it is like, sort care- of confusing uh, with how it ends up being. I was it's like, who cares, like, who cares if she doesn't understand the house? Who cares? Okay. I know. But whatever. Um, well, I think we should move on. On her way there to move in, Caroline stops by a rural gas station and notices odd details around the rundown facility including a line of red dust that has been placed across the threshold of the building. The strange proprietors have hung animal bones and other talismanic? Hell yeah. Tal-Hispanic. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Tal-Hispanic. Is that how you say that word? I'm assuming. It looks like talismanic. The strange proprietors have hung animal bones and other talismanic items around the place. Caroline settles into the mansion and notices that all the mirrors in the house have been removed, seemingly recently. Violet warns Caroline that she's decided to take them down and Caroline is not to replace them. Violet gives Caroline a skeleton key, which is intended to open every door in the huge house, but she finds a strange small door in the attic that it does not unlock. Caroline is intrigued, seeing as Ben supposedly suffered his stroke in the attic. When she questions Violet about the small room, Violet says she's never been in the room because she could not unlock it. Ben's condition alarms Caroline from the start. He does not appear to be a stroke victim, but actually seems paralyzed by some other means. Violet has Caroline administer remedies. 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 (laughs) To him periodically. But when they are alone, Ben seems to be trying to tell Caroline that he is in danger. One night, Caroline finds that Ben has somehow climbed out onto the roof outside his bedroom window, and he falls a short distance to the ground. Retrieving Ben's wheelchair, Caroline finds that Ben has written help me on his bedsheets, using soil from a potted plant. After hiding the bedsheet, she returns with the wheelchair, but Violet refuses to call a doctor. Ooh. Okay, so first of all, (laughs) I think that this film, at its core, is about the failure of America to have affordable education, because honestly, Caroline is just there trying to make her money to pay her way through nursing school and now she has to go through all this shit that is fucked up i would have to say <laughs> you heard it here first <laughs> yeah yeah you heard it here first <laughs> i'm just like oh, man this poor girl she's just trying to do good in the world now she's mixed up in all those hoodoo bullshit right oh. right 
So this is when we really get into like the hoodoo mythology behind this film. Yeah, we this is when it starts getting sprinkled on us a little yeah. bit here and there. Yeah, I did some research. Uh, oh, did you? Hoodoo. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what is this all about? Because, you know, I'm really interested in this stuff. I really feel like if I were to go back to school, it would be for like for hoodoo studies. Uh. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> hoodoo uh-huh. college. Yeah. Religions and other magics. So <laughs> talismanic, the talismanic, <laughs> study talismanic, magic, uh huh, talismanic items and other oddities. <laughs> <laughs> so the um the wind chime of animal bones that she spots at the gas station is right. actually raccoon. Penis bones. Oh my gay! What? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Raccoon penis bones. That um, wait. Usually... Raccoons have a bone in their penis. That's what I said. Yes, the penile bone of the raccoon um, is often used to bring good luck and <laughs> offer protection. Mm-hmm. Work. Okay, I love that. Yep. Yep. Actually, I can't be sure about the protection, but it definitely brings good luck. Oh, <laughs> it brings love. Love and good luck. Not protection. Oh, my love God. Mm-hmm. All right. Everybody knows what to get their loved one for Valentine's Day this year. Get you nice. a little raccoon penis bone. Yeah. <laughs> Will you be mine? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Some earrings. <laughs> Oh my god! Um, and then we obviously have the introduction of the the brick dust, which you can find on Amazon. But I wouldn't use no that way. One. I would use your own. So you basically you get this brick dust and you uh, pour an offering over it, which would usually be some form of alcohol. In my case, tequila. Um, <laughs> In my case, white claw. <laughs> yeah. Just give an offering to and and then pray over it with whatever you want to protect your home, any spirits, spirit guides, ancestors, whatever. And then you sprinkle it around your home. You cleanse your doorways and your window ways and you kind of just sprinkle it around um, and it offers protection. So nobody that can do harm can cross the line of the brick death. I wonder why brick dust. I wonder what that is. Because it's because it's compromised of natural like earth elements, which are also anything from the earth is made for protection. Mm. So that's just kind of like the got it the idea behind it that it's made of soils and different. Ooh, things like okay, that. all right, all right, mm-hmm. all right, all right. And also, this scene in the gas station one hundred percent play like preys on my fear of scary old people (laughs) because i legit have a fear of scary old people like in horror films i would say and that lady pops out of nowhere with them white eyeballs Mm -hmm. and she's really scary did you think she was scary because i did i i i actually thought i was like why are they like making her scary she's just a blind old lady (laughs) yes it's super ageist and super ableist but she's probably know, sweet as pie. Oh, she is. And we do find out later that she's actually a nice lady. They just like, she looks horrifying. So we're going to, here's the thing. Um, I will say that I don't find this movie scary by any means. I find no. it more spooky, but I don't, but at, like at this point, 
we're this far into the movie and all the jump scares have been really cheap you know they're just like oh somebody's standing there that's you know nothing really substantial um i think that's like a like a critique i have this film not i don't know if it's so much a critique as an observation i don't know if this is necessarily meant to be like a scary scary film i think it's probably more aimed towards like a like a gothic ghostly mystery yeah you know like a, it's and, more like it plays more like a classic ghost story right exactly so mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know i don't know how much i we need all these cheap jump scares and right. and i do find so that they're loud right they're loud and there's and they don't have anything to do with anything like that's no i hate when that happens when I when know. jump scares happen that are just like oh sorry i didn't see you there like yeah like no like if they were if they had to do with what was actually scary in the film whether it's the ghost or whatever and they pay off then that's great but um mm. so far this far into the movie it's just cheap jump scare which which they play out throughout the whole movie yeah like, but i think that that's just sort of to to uh i don't know intrigue the younger audiences mm-hmm. that are sort of surface level when it comes to you know film <laughs> Yeah, so like totally. you know, to, you know, who just who went to the movie probably wanting to be scared, scared, and you know they're like, okay, well we need to add these moments in there just to keep them on board. I had an issue with the storytelling here a little bit when she kind of just puts the pieces together, like, hmm, there's this mysterious door in the attic that the skeleton key doesn't unlock, and that's where he had his stroke. So is there a connection? I would not yeah. put that together. Right. I mean, yeah, it's all very, she's very smart. She's like Nancy fucking Drew. I know. And I'm she, like, what? <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah, like he had the stroke in, in the attic and there's a door that won't unlock. Yeah. Those two things don't really have anything to do with each other, but no. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It seems weird that her first sort of conclusion is to jump to, there's something behind that door that's evil. I don't know. I don't know if I would ever I know. just, maybe she just jumped to that conclusion. It. Maybe she just feels the energy in there, and she's like, mm, "I mean, maybe. I, I mean, that. that maybe she's just having feelings." But I, I do think it's a bit of like just convenient storytelling that she mm-hmm. she just has an inkling that there's something going on behind that door, just because yeah. she can't open it with the skeleton key. Yeah. So actually, you know? the skeleton key is a really interesting concept as well because that's also a talismanic item. Yes, talismanic. <laughs> um, skeleton keys are very much so used in hoodoo practices um, as a way of unlocking certain doors. aspects of yourself. Oh. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, the doors of your spiritual like, doors, spiritual oh. doors, um, mental. You know, like. It also is a way of like unlocking things like blockages that you might be having um, energetically. Wow. And so they're used for that. And they're also used for protection. So you could put them on a necklace and use it as a protection um, talisman, you know. Wow. Um, so actually, it's a really cool way to incorporate it into this movie that, you know, it's and unlocks every door in the house. And also just name the movie because what a lot of the movie is about is believing in the magic and that's how it works on you or if you don't it won't work on you and so the skeleton key is almost like uh, representing uh, Caroline's journey to eventually believe in this stuff wow 
No, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I was kind of wondering, I was like, why the skeleton key? I was, <laughs> right. thinking, I was thinking that. I was like, yes, it's kind of an in- important part because it opens that door, but um, that makes sense. I, yeah, it's like a, it, it represents spiritually opening the door to let the magic in. Yes, which doesn't work to her benefit, but... <laughs> no, but it's what happens. <laughs> but it's what happens. <laughs> and also, I mean, one of the things that Aaron Kruger, who also wrote Scream 3... <laughs> oh my gosh, I know. The writer of Scream 3 and The Ring, by the way. I know, that's, um, that's insane. Can we just, like, take a moment to just acknowledge that the same person who wrote The Ring also wrote The Skeleton Key and also wrote Scream 3? Right. Those movies what? are so different. <laughs> they are so different and so different in quality. Because I would say Scream 3, as you know, as far as the writing goes, is pretty poor. Yes. To be honest. And then, still love it. Don't get me wrong. Love it. Right. Still pretty poor. But then, the, but then I would say, like, The Ring... I don't know necessarily it's the writing that makes the ring so good, but it's like a pretty like acclaimed really film. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Skeleton Key is floating in the middle of those. Somewhere in know? between. Yeah. Somewhere in between, yeah. you know? Exactly. So, look at Aaron. He has range. <laughs> 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 but what he said about the inspiration for the film in general, it's like it was inspired by this idea of what is behind the only door in the house that hasn't been unlocked. Like, that was where he started with the idea for this film. Okay. And, um, yeah, so I guess this idea of the skeleton key opening doors, opening doors to magic, whatever, um, that's always been the central theme. It's always been about that door. So it makes oh, sense. Wow. I get, so I get yeah. it now. I, yeah, that makes sense. Um, is this the part where she's taking a shower? <laughs> is, that, is that in here? Because I uh, literally wrote, and like, I was like, why is she taking a shower? Like, why do we have to see her nude back? And because and then, it was 2000, because sex sells and she has a great back. And then right after she's on the bed and they do this like whole shot from her feet all the way up to her head just for her to wake up to some mysterious <sighs> noise. With and a I'm beautiful like, head of hair. I know. I mean, she's hot. I yeah, actually think she, she was um, pregnant and during this filming. And I think really? that's something that I read a long time ago um, when the movie first came out is that she had, a, that she was slightly showing because she was like maybe four months pregnant or something. Oh, weird. She looks so tiny to me in this film. I know. She's super tiny, but there is one point where you kind of get the side of her and she looked a little, like there might be something in there. I don't know. Maybe she had too much gumbo. <laughs> I know. <laughs> she got to let it on the dance floor. Too much of that jambalaya, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but actually, the director said that they that he chose that because it shows her vulnerability. Wow, that she's naked. Like, no, no, sir. <laughs> that she's no. naked. Yeah, she buck ass naked. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that is such an excuse that's such a 2005 excuse to show her youthfulness and vulnerability that's why she's naked in it it's like no okay all right that's cool stupid but yeah, <laughs> that I mean, explanation is stupid yeah and you know what? she has a great back she has a hot side oh my move, god great but, back i was like yeah. she has so many muscles in her back totally and you know she probably saw that and said you know what? i have a great back i'm gonna go design athleisure and that's what, <laughs> and that's what she's doing now fabletics yeah. <laughs> by kate hudson <laughs> uh, 
Oh my so, god. So when you're wearing your $200 pair of, you know, leggings from Fabletics, you have the skeleton key to thank. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what do you, what, real quick, what do you think about the, uh, yeah. the mirrors? I think it's a little... It's a little cheap. Cheap. I don't know. I uh-huh. think mi- mirrors, okay, whatever. I mean, maybe it's part of real hoodoo culture, but uh, to me, it's always like, I don't know, I always feel like, why does magic always have to have like a catch? Like, why does yeah. this magic have such a huge catch that they can't look in mirrors? Like, it's such a dead giveaway. I don't know. And see, I don't understand it because eventually when she does put the mirror up, Violet puts it back in the attic and she has her reflection and her reflection is fine. I was thinking that it was going to be a cooler moment where, like, if you look in the mirror, you're actually able to see that it's Mama Cecile and not Right. Me Violet. too. That's what I thought. But it's, but it's not because they show her reflection in the mirror and it's obviously Violet. Little chubby hands. <laughs> <laughs> Putting the mirror back. But obviously, that's how they do their conjuring as far as the switch of right. the souls. But um, I didn't think it. I don't think it's absolutely necessary to not have the the mirrors up. But maybe you can use it against them if you know I mean, what you're I doing. Right, of course. Mm, but why would they know. assume that she knew? She knows what she's doing. Maybe they're just like that. I mean, because they look like they've been a, to the attic. But do they put them back once they switch to a younger? Or does she really just not want to look at herself as an old white woman? (laughs) I mean, maybe that is it. Maybe she doesn't want to look at herself. Maybe she just hates her reflection. That's fair. She's not even in her own body. Her body was... She's like, I'm going to wait until I'm young again. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I relate. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm going to put this mirror away. (laughs) Caroline eventually gets into the locked attic room and finds a large collection of bizarre items that are obviously intended to be used for some kind of magic. She also finds all of the house's mirrors. She hangs one in Ben's room, much to Violet's horror. Caroline finds out a little bit about magic from her friend and former roommate, Jill. Jill seems to think that magic in question is hoodoo, a type of folk magic which, unlike voodoo, is not related to any kind of religion. Jill mentions that hoodoo only holds power over those who believe in it, and if you do not believe, its spells can't harm you. After visiting the secret room again, Caroline unearths a vinyl record that is labeled The Conjure of Sacrifice. She takes it to her own apartment so that she can listen to it in private, and it contains Papa Justify's voice reciting an incantation. Later, after a confrontation about the strange goings-on, Violet explains the mansion's sordid past to Caroline. Years ago, the house was occupied by wealthy white owners. A pair of black servants, Papa Justify and Mama Cecile, were brutally attacked and lynched during a party that was attended by many wealthy, powerful guests. They were apparently well-versed in the ways of hoodoo, and Justify had even discovered a unique spell that was called the Conjure of Sacrifice. Justify and Cecile were discovered in the attic conducting a magical ritual with the two small children of the house, and the party guests reacted by dragging them outside, hanging them from a tree, and burning their bodies. Violet tells Caroline that she has removed all the mirrors from the walls because you can see the spirits of Justify and Cecile in the mirrors. Mm. Now that you're saying it, maybe maybe when they when she puts herself behind a mirror or in front of a mirror, maybe that's how the spell gets going. So like she's like, no, it's too soon to start start the process. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know though. It still doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's still a little 
confusing. Like, what is what are the big deal about the mirrors? Like, I don't get it. <laughs> just you could see them. I don't know, but then they don't see them. Maybe that was just bad, con- like continuity. I know it's weird. So here's where we're introduced to this idea of hoodoo versus voodoo, mm-hmm. um, which we find out are two completely different things. Yeah, which is good to know. Um, I think most people probably think of this movie and go, "Oh, that voodoo movie," but it's actually not voodoo. It's hoodoo. Hoodoo. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> Boo boo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I uh, yeah I guess voodoo is more religion based, and yeah. voodoo is straight up magic. Voodoo is um a religion, um, and it's weird because somebody historical right that you're thinking of would be like Marie Laveau who was obviously like a voodoo priestess or whatever but actually her religion was labeled as folk Catholicism because they use a lot of Christian imagery right yeah voodoo and stuff like that I think when the when um specifically I was reading that when the slaves went were in New Orleans they got brought by New Orleans with their slave owners that they you were still practicing their religious practices, which were then called Voodoo or Voodoon. Voodoo um, obviously ended, ended up being Voodoo. Um, and then I think it sort of just changed. Like the more European influence they got and the more Native American influence they got, then the more it transitioned into what it is now, the voodoo right. that we know now. And that obviously almost stems from New Orleans. And then hoodoo just kind of branched off of that. Without being a religion, it's just the magical practices of right. hoodoo, the conjuring of hoodoo. I'm glad they sort of educate on that subject. I think that's mm-hmm. nice. Because they yeah. are different. And one particular thing in this scene, though, since we're on the topic of hoodoo, is that disgusting thing that she's looking at in that jar that she drops. Oh, and then yeah. It comes out. It's a cow's tongue with black thread in it. Um, and it's uh, it's a certain conjuring called the beef... Uh, <laughs> beef tongue? It's called beef, beef tongue taco. Threading or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> La lengua. They, um, that's why he can't talk. That's why when they oh. switch the souls, they do that conjuring, and then it um, prevents the victim from talking. Oh, I wonder if that. I wonder if that's like that liquid that they give them. I wonder if it's like the beef tongue water. You know what I'm saying? That oh. like paralyzes. I mean, maybe it's not. Maybe that's dramatic. But like, you know, because when at the very end, when Caroline is switched into into the wrong body, she's in Violet's body now. Mm-hmm. Before the cops get there and the ambulance, they make her drink like a kind of like a opaque liquid, like a cloudy water. Yeah. I don't know. Do we? I don't know if ever, that keeps. Do we find out what that was? Like- paralyzed yeah. because that's what she gives the remedies that she gives Violet when she ends up like poisoning her and she just kind yeah. of sort of passes out so I'm like maybe that's just like is do we ever see you. her make that make whatever it is oh I think it was like different um like herbs or I something? don't know that's I what I'm saying know. is it is it the water that was in that beef tongue or that cow tongue thing Maybe. maybe that maybe that's reading into it too much, but that would be know, really yeah. gross. And but it would make sense. One of the things I really like about the hoodoo thing, though, is this idea that you have to believe in order to be affected by it. 
Mm -hmm. Which I don't think is true in real life. Well, Mama, do you do you believe in life after love? In what? <laughs> love after lockup. <laughs> uh, love on the down low. Just <laughs> I think that's really interesting, and especially how much it comes into play. What we find out later, part of the struggle of our of our antagonists are that they have to make her believe in what they're talking about. Yes. So that so that brings me to the to the story of Papa Justify and Mama Cecile because I'm kind of like why does she tell her everything about this like I'm like I would think that she would want to try to keep this as off track as possible so she's not letting Caroline figure out all the clues as to what's going on here right but she seems to blurt out the backstory of these of, which makes sense as for the audience because we need to know what's going on with these people or like who they were but it, for me, I was like, it didn't really make sense that she was telling Caroline this backstory, like the accurate backstory to a, to an extent about um, about her, because technically, because she actually is Mama Cecile. And I was right. like, I get, and I guess the maybe the whole purpose of her telling her that is to facilitate this idea of that she of believing it. Like it almost is like leading her in the right direction because she needs to get her to the point of believing the story. So as soon you know, in order for it to affect her. Well, and she's a powerful conjurer. So maybe they know the way she's already thinking. Like they kind of can pick up on where she's going as far mm. as being in, being curious about what's in the attic and things like that. So maybe she's just like, okay, let me drop some more some more stones i mean maybe you know, some more yeah. clues for her to pick up on right or maybe maybe i mean i guess it's just to keep her from leaving too because i'm sure she would just peace out i guess if she didn't get any answers so she had to give her some answers but the fact that she gives her correct answers i'm like i guess there has to be a purpose for that like a half truth yeah yeah like a half truth like she's like okay i'll give her enough to where you know she'll be on the path to I don't know researching this, learning more about it, and then and and then eventually believing it. Yeah, because she then does go out of her way, like okay, well since he believes in this too, then I'm gonna try and use some of these hoodoo remedies to kind of cure him, and and therefore like in doing that, you kind of put belief into it too. Yeah, absolutely. No, I I think I think that's that hits the nail on the head. <laughs> So then we have this backstory. This, Woof! This and this is this scene. These sort of scenes, I feel, are out of place when they're just thrown into a cheap horror movie. Right. I'm like, this because is. I like this movie, but it is a cheap horror movie. You know what I mean? Oh, like, totally. In a way where like it was just kind of like thrown together, and it's right. like, entertaining enough to love it, but right to put something this serious in it is like, ooh. Yeah, I think that this is completely just sort of washed over they're like yeah they uh we had some servants you know they call them servants and um <laughs> I, I mean i guess i guess in 1920 they were considered servants technically yeah but um yeah they're like oh yeah and they uh they were really famous in their community they uh they were healers but they're also really mean and uh but they and they also were worked to the bone they were just overworked it's like no fucking shit they were like uh, yeah oh they oh they were they were overworked wow yeah. 
And then, you know, one night during this party, they just decided they were gonna do some hoodoo. And then everybody got really mad and took them outside and hung them from a tree, fucking lynched them and burned their bodies. And they're right. she's like, and they're like, wow. Mm-hmm, so. And then they show it. Yeah. And not and only it's do like, they show oh, it, but then they show the crowd's reaction, like spraying champagne on them and all of yeah, this. It, I'm like, oh, this is oh. very graphic. Yeah. It does seem sort of like, oh yeah, of course. Like, yeah, this is, which I get. It's like, yeah, maybe that stuff just happened. But I feel like it's slightly irresponsible to just nor like not I don't want to say glamorize it, but I mean it's sort of left without consequence. Yeah. Yeah. You know, nobody nobody's held responsible. It's not like Papa Justify and Mama Cecile switch bodies with the children and then use this opportunity to to exact revenge on all these people who just burned their bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, and then they just lived happily ever after knowing that they, these people just did that to them. I don't, you know what I'm saying? It just seems a little yeah, washed over for something so heavy. Well, America. Yeah. I mean, yeah, true. <laughs> I don't, I mean, I don't think that this is something that would be washed over or just easily thrown into a cheap horror film anymore. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, not without it. Uh, no, I, no. I don't know, but I don't know because now, you know, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's because of what I was going to say, I was like, now they're putting things like rape culture, which is another serious kind of trigger warning type of thing. You know what I mean? I th- In a I th- few th- years, will we be saying that about, you know, movies about rape culture? But I don't think we have like just willy nilly rape culture in films anymore now either. It's not like we like, it's like the hills oh, yeah. have eyes. It's not like just ill. Yeah, right. right. The hills right. have eyes is just willy nilly rape culture, right? Okay, right. these two people, when they rape this girl, Without and then the, the focus of Right, the and then the story, yeah, and then the story continues, and she, her trauma is very little for some You're reason. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah, and, yeah. But now we have movies like, say, Promising Young Woman, where it is the, the central, is the central theme. It is, yeah. you know, important it's an important issue in the world um and it's not something Mm -hmm. to be taken lightly which is the point of that film in general you're right yeah and so i do think that this is very telling of this like 2005 time and also just of this movie in general like i said earlier we have a white protagonist in a movie that's basically about black culture right right so obviously if that's where their headspace was from the beginning, then obviously this is something that they wouldn't bat an eyelash to. Right. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's and I then think. we also have this idea of the horror noir setup where it's like Papa Justify and Mama Cecile are our villains. And they right. and they're even the characters that tell us that they're the villains. <laughs> yes. But are they villains? No, I literally wrote in my notes, I said, but do you know what? Good for them. <laughs> yeah, good for them, you know. Uh, <laughs> I, they used what they had to escape their horrific circumstances. Yeah. I don't think that they are villains by any means, but this movie goes out of its way to make them our villains. And they got and to they, sit there and watch the parents kill their kids, basically. Yeah, which is also really fucking dark. But, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, I don't think that there's enough context or what drove them to it. They're like, oh, yeah, they were worked really hard. 
oh please like that's such like a I know. that's such I lazy know. writing like yeah they worked worked them to the bone and then so one night they decide it's like are you kidding me that's <laughs> no that can't be it <laughs> and you think that the person that it happened to would describe it like that well also that they would just keep going right then you they don't that... have to work that hard anymore now that they're in the kids bodies yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know it's just so it's this whole section is weird and it's that horror noir thing that they talked about where it's like these are the black characters in horror films and in this one they'd obviously be the voodoo you know the voodoo yeah. the hoodoo sure. conjurer like the almighty um i actually like to think that they keep doing this because again hoodoo is very specific to african-american culture and that's where the root is so and in order to practice it you have to be taught it or be an apprentice right. at some point so yeah. maybe this is how they keep the hoodoo going strong is that they just keep themselves alive and passing it down generation after generation right then i, I then i wish we were told more about that i wish I it know. wasn't just that would have been well, a strong narrative i wish it wasn't just we want to live longer like we want to live yeah, forever like, is what, that their only why? motivation because apparently they were powerful healers, but is that what they keep doing in these white bodies? Who's going to trust yeah. a white hoodoo conjurer? Nobody, because it's not a thing. Yeah. That's not a thing. <laughs> That's yeah, it's, it's, it's really silly. I don't know. Like, I think that they needed to give them a stronger motivation for what they're doing other than just trying to stay alive forever. Yeah. There should have been a yeah. reason why. Like, they, they want to stay alive and they want to continue their work getting justice or you know mm-hmm. justice for what they happened. were good at what they did uh, like yeah. they were renowned around the body they even say yeah. that they were really famous in the bayous for their uh, great healing powers and it's like well if that's the case then they can't be that bad yeah yeah they're exactly. not bad yeah people. i don't think they're bad i don't think they're bad people at all but and i get it they want their motivation is just to stay alive but we've they're, they're completely vil- purpose? yeah but they're completely yeah. villainized in this film so that's course, annoying because yeah <laughs> i know that's annoying yeah all right let's keep going seemingly anxious to put this to the test caroline uses her small compact mirror and holds it up to ben's face while she's bathing him after looking into the glass ben reacts in horror and caroline feels that ben believes in violent superstitions She gets the idea to visit a woman that Jill has told her about. A woman who sells magic items from the back of a public laundromat. (laughs) Oh, see, this is another thing. Horror noir going back to that, like, spiritual, wise, old trope. You know, again, this character is only there to serve our white protagonist and give her the answers. Give her the tools she needs to overcome. Yes, and here you go, white girl. Here you go and take our our black culture and use it to your advantage to get your answers. I don't Mm -hmm. know. You know. I think it backfires. Okay, we'll get there. Okay. Right. Ready? So, Caroline describes Ben's situation to her and the woman gives her a spell intended to reverse whatever hex has already been placed on him. When Caroline enacts the spell, Ben begins to speak to her, begging her to help him, but Violet interrupts. Caroline confides in her suspicions to Luke, who seems to accept her theories about magic, but also does not take them very seriously. When Caroline attempts to show him the bedsheets that Ben wrote Help Me on, she finds the message is no longer there. She takes Luke to the gas station where she saw the magic items, and she now recognizes the dust sprinkled across the doorway. This is red brick dust, which she has learned is intended to keep one's enemies at bay. 
In one of the shacks behind the station, Caroline finds an old woman listening to vinyl records, just like the one in the Devereaux's attic. Caroline asks her if she's ever heard of a record called The Conjure of Sacrifice, and the old woman reacts in horror. Caroline is now convinced that Violet herself has put a spell on Ben, and that she must get Ben away from the house for the spell to be broken. She concocts a plan to drug Violet and spirit Ben away from the mansion, but Violet catches on. Caroline interrupts her before she's able to draw a magic circle around herself, and Violet passes out. Caroline gets Ben and tries to escape in her car, but Violet awakens and recites spells that keep the car from breaching the locked gates of the house grounds. As Violet emerges from the house with a shotgun, Caroline manages to hide Ben in the tool shed and she promises to return for him. She then escapes through the swamp in a rowboat. Emerging on another shore of the swamp, she hitches a ride back to New Orleans and goes to Luke's apartment, just as he gets a phone call from Violet. When Luke goes into another room, Caroline rummages through his desk and finds a skeleton key from the house, as well as a few items from the secret room in the attic. Luke suddenly appears behind her and strangles her until she is unconscious. Ooh, dang. So There's a lot of action in this part. Yes, this is when when the movie really gets going. Like we've had like mm-hmm. sort of a, a creepy a slow, slow build up. Yeah, slow build up to this, but once we hit this point, it's like this movie takes off. Zero yeah. to a hundred. Like a skyrocket, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I do love. I, I honestly think that this third act is this is really strong. Oh, yeah, totally. It's the best part of the movie once yeah, we get to this point. Totally. So uh, the first thing I want to say is, goddamn, she, I can't believe she was off book for that spell. Like, if that were me, I would have had to look at, like, the recipe for that spell she did on him, like, every five minutes. Oh, yeah. Every oh, five yeah, seconds. Yeah. I'd be like, but she knew it all. Yeah, centuries. Well, I guess at this point, she's already been doing it for, like, 70 plus years no so. i'm talking about caroline when she does the spell over oh. ben yeah. <laughs> yeah. she just unravels the paper and then all of a sudden she yes like, no. she's like i, I know it about violet no when she's like oh, and she's like, okay oh, oh. Gotta, i'm gonna pour this on each side of the candle i'm gonna do this oh, i'm gonna yeah, say no, this she... i'm like did she just get this spell from that lady off book she was memorized yeah she's amazing <laughs> <laughs> She's a she's a whiz. She's a she's a a savant for hoodoo magic. Who knew? I know. Just naturally came to her. <laughs> <laughs> um, apparently, this is also a real hoodoo ritual as well. Really? Uh huh. Yeah. I, I didn't look too much into this one, unfortunately, but um, it is, I guess, a way to reverse a uh, hex. Um, Whoa. Which I don't know if it would work or not, but um, well, it did in this I, movie, I, and this I like is a documentary. The, so I like <laughs> when she goes to the friend, and the friend's kind of like, "Are you seriously starting to leave this stuff?" And she lifts up the crow wing. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> it's all mummified. <laughs> so um, this is when we kind of get into like the father trauma of Caroline. You know, she had this. We learn about a little bit more about her dad and about why she's so invested. Like, why hasn't she fucking left this whole situation? I would have quit. I yeah. Regardless of my backstory. <laughs> exactly. But she's like, you know, she wasn't there when her dad died, so she's like super empathetic to people who are also dying, sick, sick mm-hmm. and dying. So she feels like a strong need to um to stay to stay around and help poor Ben 
Yeah. Which Some... I do think is an admirable way to portray this character. It's kind of like, oh, well, this makes sense because she would abandoning him would make her feel like she's abandoning her father all over again. And right, it's exactly. And, yeah. Her head is saying, let's go, but her heart is saying, no. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to be with me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god oh my gosh and also okay so then after that happens she starts having like premonition dreams doesn't she or she has like there's that sequence which i thought was super dream. out of place she has this weird dream where she all of a sudden she's seeing mama cecile and papa justify in her head and i'm like why is this happening she's her eyes are sewn shut and her mouth yes which i think is a I don't think that scare lands very well. I will have to no, say. No, and it's so long. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like she like, she comes just, out of bed and it's like she sits up and it's like ten seconds of silence. Sits there long enough for you to to like to see the prosthetic job on her face, and you're like, yeah. okay, oh, I see how they did that. Literally, she's on screen for so long with that with those prosthetics. I was looking at it like. I was like, boo. Is this supposed to be scary? Yeah. I was like, that did not land at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, woo, good one. All right. Yeah. Back to the Ooh, story. Scary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, so I don't know why she's having these dreams, but all of a sudden now she's like spiritually connected to this story. Now it's not just her I... passion for saving old dying people. It's now... I kind of feel like it was one step further into getting her to believe. I do, because I do... Do you think that was I being think... done to her? I... Okay. I, I don't know. see this in the movie, but somebody wrote that this is the part where she gets her hair cut. Oh. And I was like, What? That, really? Because you know when she slightly wakes up and she kind of sees Violet exiting the room. Yeah. yeah. Oh. That she was cutting her hair. Interesting. You know she finds her hair later on. And she's like, right. oh my god, it's the same oh, yeah. color I, as I, my I, hair. <laughs> <laughs> she has to hold up her hair to it. Like, <laughs> bitch, that's your hair. That's your hair. <laughs> wow. Oh, I didn't even realize that, but that makes sense. Okay. I'm like, you don't see it, but but it was written out in someone's outline for this movie. They were like, right. and then, you know, she has these, this vivid nightmare um, that her eyes are sewn shut like the doll she found earlier in the attic as she gets her hair cut. And I'm like, oh, Wait, what? Is that what you put together? But I'm like, maybe. It totally makes sense. It makes sense. Like, maybe she's having this nightmare while she's getting is, her hair cut. This is part of like her hexing. Like this is the mm. part of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ooh, good find. Good find. Know, good find, right? And this article that I read this from was from 2006. So I was oh. like, I'm surprised that I found this. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, then we have this escape from the house moment, which, um, you know, is, I think it's a sus- fun suspenseful moment she's trying to get out and it's raining and she almost crashes the car she tries like crash that little buggy through the gate twice i know that car i mean i guess when you're desperate but do you think that she'll drive a drab colored car once she transitions once mama cecile takes over oh my god this is the brightest thing in the bayou at this point (laughs) that fucking orange car I don't know. I don't know if she's into that. She might trade it in. (laughs) So actually, I saw this side-by-side comparison of the skeleton key and get out. And up to this point, 
It's like identical. <laughs> Mirror image. This this moment in the car, running from the house. Yeah, yeah it, it is spookily, eerily similar. It's very not, I'm not, similar. I I mean, I wouldn't say that like Jordan Peele went out of his way to copy the skeleton no, key. The skeleton key. But maybe it's he was just like inspired a, by it. It's so, it's more of like less copy and paste and more paint by numbers. You know okay, I mean? sure. Like yeah, this is how it's supposed to happen. But Jordan Peele's approach was more, you know, Pe- original. Pe- of course, it was you more know? thought out. Of course, it was more, um, you know, cerebral. Stronger. Yeah, it was just it's a right. stronger. That's obviously considered one of the greatest horror films of you know this century. But it's almost identical. Yeah, they're scene like yeah. scene by scene. <laughs> like there's like. I, I think it's a YouTube video where it's like get out and the skeleton key, like how they eat yeah. each other, or whatever. Yeah, and it, it's like twenty five things, and it's like right. boom, 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 boom. This should be called get in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it should be. <laughs> and get out's a sequel. Hey, that yeah. would be. If this movie were more successful, I could see that being like. <laughs> them tying it in with each other yeah this yeah who knew get out was actually a spiritual sequel to um get in actually yeah. aka the skeleton key so that's what this scene reminds me of yeah because in you get know. out he's like driving in the car and running and over he people. tries to take the yeah he tries to take the housekeeper yeah yeah no i i definitely see that i think that's i think that's a I don't know if it's like super well known, but I think that's pretty general consensus that these films are very symbiotic. They're very parallel mm-hmm. in, in um, their approach. You need to watch that YouTube video because it's literally like, and then the friend explains to them that, you know, blah, blah, blah. Oh, whatever. right. It's like yeah. down to like, oh, and then this scene happens. And then this scene, I'm like, oh, oh dang. Uh, yeah. It's like, I was like, mm, I heard him. I, I sense plagiarism. Oh, my God. <laughs> Who knew Jordan Peele was such a fan of the skeleton key? <laughs> um so uh i really like this twist that happens where luke ends up being um papa justify i think that's a really i thought i didn't i remember seeing in theaters and not expecting it no it's totally unexpected yeah and i think it works really well i think it's really effective it works really well i knew he was probably in on it but i didn't realize that he was the one that that papa justify would be papa justify yeah yeah. yeah, I do think that it's sort of lackluster that the way her brain switches from I'm safe to <gasps> I'm not safe is through that song that they're playing. Like, why are I they go, playing I that go song on at the it. same time? <laughs> yeah, why are they playing that at the same time? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I try to, like, look up the history of Aiko Aiko. It's like, maybe there's something in there. And no. I mean, I don't think no. so. It's, um, it has Native American roots, but right. it's not... Uh, anything for hoodoo or anything like that i know maybe it's just, it's just a song maybe just a, so was she listening to that was any, somebody listening to that song earlier in the film yeah when she's cooking the chicken the oh, dinner that she's gonna so that's why poison her with she, she's playing that record but i don't know i just don't like that like they, and there's so many like bluesy like iconic songs about hoodoo that they yeah. could have used from like, i put a bet on you from. Because you're mine. <laughs> yeah. Hello. Yeah. Obvious anything, one. Anything. And it would have been a lot cooler. I'm like, this is a, such a random choice. But I mean, also, and she gets all scared by Ico Ico. Like, two people in New Orleans can't enjoy the song Ico Ico. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm like, it should have been more 
relatable like uh, to like or to the storyline you know like hoodoo i'm like why would he be listening to hoodoo didn't he just say he was a baptist christian you know right things like that yeah mm. no i agree i agree it's a little it news is. clipping moment for me yes oh totally <laughs> and so is her finding all the pictures of herself oh, I, yeah. I that's always so weird when you see somebody's like they've been following me and they've been taking all these beautifully gorgeous candids of me Oh my god! You know, she's stunning. Yeah. like paparazzi photos of her looking great. It literally reminded me of uh, we're binge watching America's Next Top Model currently. <laughs> oh, one of the challenges was they had to like paparazzi. Yeah, there was like paparazzi, yeah. and they had to examine their paparazzi photos. And they're like, "This is your worst one," and it's just them being a human being, of course. And they're like, "Wow, that you do not look like a model here." And it's like, "What the fuck do you think? I'm just." being a human like candids are not gorgeous and they're like now let's look at your best candid and it's like looks like all the pictures that kate Hudson finds (laughs) yeah Yeah, of course yeah (laughs) i thought that was hilarious this also happens in get out when he finds the pictures of all the other exes yeah picked into this why do these characters just leave all their evil shit hanging around for everybody to find like uh, like it's not a folder in like a locked cabinet in your office. It's like on this coffee table. Yes. On the coffee table next to my book on beginner's law and like <laughs> Yeah. Know. This is outrageous. When she starts to uh, Rum, like, rum rummage this. through his things. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, okay. It might as well have said Law for Dummies. Yeah, literally I was like, where's the Law for Dummies book? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, oh my, my god <laughs> just a cheap just a little cheap uh, i get like you're trying to accelerate the story like you're you don't want to slow the pace but i don't know i just think that as a writer or as a director there are just so many other ways to maybe brainstorm with each other and be like what can we do what can we do what can we do that's not so ridiculous right like, yeah <laughs> so movie like, yeah so okay. movie. oh my god your pile of pictures of me in your stupid law books yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's like an afterthought. Like they're like, oh, this should, we, she should find more things. Um, what about this law book? Yeah. Some <laughs> pictures of her. <laughs> Ooh, yes. And then, then eventually the skeleton. She could have, she should have just found the skeleton key. She shouldn't have found all the other shit. That was dumb. Yeah. The I mean, skeleton I guess- key would have been a perfect right. way. And and just maybe like one of the records, Papa justifies records or something. I don't sure, know. totally, totally. Or other right. little thing. I mean, obviously he would have a collection of also talismanic items. So you right. know. Well, I'm gonna write an angry letter to Aaron Kruger about this. So I'm glad we brought it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Remember that uh, movie you wrote in 2005? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, let's get on to our final part of the synopsis. When Caroline wakes up again, she is bound and gagged, and Luke is driving her back to the Devereaux mansion. Violet meets them and tells Luke not to scratch her up more than she already is. They force Caroline to tell them where she has hidden Ben, and Violet goes to get him. Caroline breaks away from Luke and hides in her bedroom, where she spreads brick dust across the doorway. Using a jar of red brick dust, she begins to seal herself off in the house, covering every doorway and blocking Luke's advances towards her, but Violet appears and smashes the jar. They struggle on the second floor of the house and Caroline hurls Violet over a banister. (laughs) Oh my God, that scene, that had me dying. I was like, I cannot believe, even if it was just a stunt double, I can't believe they had the gall to throw Jenna Rollins' 80-year-old body 
over a banister and down the stairs. Oh my! And she literally showed her like, yeah. I literally was thinking that too. I was like, the, even just the thought of this yes. old woman like just plunging down a flight of stairs. I was oh like, my god! It was equally hilarious and horrifying but also it would have been funny if they would have used like one of those dummies that they use like on disney channel like on that's so raven oh my god all of a sudden it's a dummy (laughs) oh yeah they should have definitely done that (laughs) all right um she falls breaking her legs in the process and caroline makes a 911 call to the police immediately afterwards she calls jill and tells her that she's in trouble at the Devereux mansion but violet has dragged herself back upstairs and she cuts the phone cord Unable to leave the house yet because of Luke and trapped on the second floor by Violet, Caroline runs into the attic. Using a schematic that she snatched from Violet, Caroline draws a magic circle around herself using sulfur, chalk, blood, and hair. This is the circle in which the Conjure of Sacrifice takes place. Violet drags herself into the attic just as Caroline finishes the circle. Caroline feels as if she's safe in the circle, but Violet tells her, Who did you get that spell from, Caroline? Wasn't it me? Caroline begins to feel as if they've wanted her in this circle after all. Violet unveils a full-length mirror and advances on Caroline with it while Caroline says over and over, You can't hurt me. I don't believe. I don't believe. Both Violet and Caroline scream and are knocked to the floor by some kind of explosion, which shatters the mirror as it falls on Caroline. Afterwards, they both awaken, but Caroline now is cool and calculating and talks like Violet because now Violet is in her body. The true purpose of the events have become clear. Violet was never really Violet to begin with. She was the spirit of Cecile in Violet Devereaux's body. Luke has similarly been taken over by Papa Justify. Ben and Violet Devereaux were simply the last host bodies that Cecile and Justify had managed to perform the conjure sacrifice with. It seems as if the first victims of this transference of souls were the two children the night of the lynching. The ritual that was being performed allowed the souls of Justify and Cecile to switch bodies with the children, who were then trapped in the bodies of Justify and Cecile and murdered. From the children, Justify and Cecile had managed to transfer to Ben and Violet. With both bodies being in old age, they set up the trap again, luring Luke into the transference and trapping his soul in the aged body of Ben Devereaux, while Justify's spirit, which was occupying Ben's body all these years, transferred to Luke's young body. Caroline was intended all along to be Cecile's next host body, which explains why Cecile, in Violet's body, told Justify slash Luke to not scratch her up anymore. The challenge had been to get the cynical Caroline to believe in hoodoo. The film ends as Caroline, now trapped in the body of Violet Devereaux, is loaded into an ambulance with Ben, who is really Luke inside Ben's body. They are taken away to hospice care to die, both of them unable to speak and unable to communicate to anybody what has happened to them. Jill, who is responding to Caroline's desperate phone call, arrives at the mansion in time to see them taken away on stretchers. Caroline, in Violet's body, looks on in desperation at Jill, wanting to tell her what happened but hexed into being mute. Justify and Cecile, now housed in the young bodies of Carolyn and Luke, send Jill along with them in the ambulance. The end. Ooh, our conclusion. Our conclusion. First of all, if I went to go see if my friend was okay, and my friend was like, can you go with this old person in the ambulance? I'd be like, no, I, <laughs> I don't know them. I'd be like, no, I can't. I just came to check on you, but yeah. I gotta go to work. <laughs> yeah. I got a job. I don't need to get in this fucking ambulance with these old people I don't know. Why don't you do it? 
Aren't you their hospice yeah. care caretaker? <laughs> yeah. Just a little shaken up right now. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a whole lot of action that happens in this part. This is the big finale where, um, yeah, we find out that this is their plan all along and Caroline fell right into their little trap. And she trapped herself somewhat because she thinks, and again, this is how people get into trouble is that they start introducing themselves to maybe like witchcraft or voodoo or hoodoo or what have you and then they use a spell wrong and they end up getting getting themselves hexed so she traps herself with the circle in the attic yeah stupid the protection circle like it doesn't protect you from anything outside it protects you from leaving it dumb 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 hoe (laughs) dumb white bitch So, um, I think the final twist is super good. And, you know, so I, th- I think, and, you know, even I was watching it with, with Joey and a friend of mine last night, and both of them had never seen it, and they were, they were gagged by it. They're like, oh my God. So, I think it is effective. I think it does really take people off guard when that it's not a happy ending. And it sort of feels almost like Twilight Zone, like a Twilight Zone episode or like an episode of like, Are You Afraid of the Dark? You know? Or Tales from the Crypt, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and which I kind of yeah, like. Because it doesn't have a happy ending. I, and we don't get, we don't ever get things that don't have a happy ending. Yeah, it's rare. It's rare. And so I think I applaud this movie for having the balls to do that. I know. Yeah. Maybe that's why it wasn't successful, as a, I mean, as successful as it is to us. Sure, <laughs> I think it's had more critical, like a, almost like a retcon of of people relooking at this movie and be like, oh, like this actually is better than most of the films that were released back then. I think they probably have. Yeah, it's more. It's a little more insightful. Obviously, there are still problems as far as of course the the, ra- the yeah. races, uh, the race of the characters and stuff like that. And just being like, you know, average storytelling at best with how the story gets told. But it's it it is probing. It is insightful. I think it and it introduces audiences to something newer that right. they may not have explored, which is who right. do. Yeah, I like I like I think it ha- it does well being a good gothic mystery. I think it, it succeeds in all those things. It's not, it's not a deep film, and I do honestly appreciate that. Though I, you know, it, it didn't try to be anything yeah. more complicated yeah. than it was, um, and I, and it, so that makes it pretty accessible. And um, so I do like it. And as far as the race thing goes, this is when you know we were talking about at the beginning of this, of this episode that it would actually come into play the fact that this character. Caroline is a white girl is <laughs> because in the end they make like just the most off the cuff mo- remark where Cecile now in Caroline's body is like I wanted a I wanted a black one this time she wanted to be in and justify makes a comment and he says you know the black ones never stay <laughs> which yeah I'm like is this Aaron Kruger trying to be like cheeky here is he making like a joke or is it more of them like purposefully preying on her whiteness they're like this girl is stupid enough to <laughs> she's the ignorant white girl there she's not going to be well versed in this stuff she's not going to be brought up right. learning lear- you know having learned, learned about these things or, yeah. yeah and he's like you know unfortunately they're probably more likely to stick their nose in people's business that isn't theirs all up in the business she has more characteristics 
and that's why I say like when I said in the beginning I'm like being white does is you know as like you were saying a conscious decision was for her to be white because she doesn't know what she's doing she doesn't know what she's talking about and that is the reason why she stays you know white people be all up in people's business yeah (laughs) they don't know how to mind their business because I think we talked about this in a different episode where we kind of said I think I was explaining like being from like a ghetto or being from the hood you're kind of especially as a person of color you 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 are taught differently like yeah. you know when something's dangerous you know when you're supposed to leave you know right. when you're supposed to mind your own business right and other people don't know don't know that right when I, and i and i think that there's like a false sense of security with whiteness sometimes like yeah this is all gonna work out in my favor the white savior you know what i'm saying <laughs> but i don't feel like like black people have had the unfortunate privilege of getting to live that way they're constantly on guard because of because of how society is how society has treated them like there is a sense of of always being has done yeah there's a sense of always being on guard and protecting yourself and protecting your community you know Mm -hmm. and there's that that sort of mentality doesn't really exist in white people and so yeah for these characters the the person that's most likely to not mind their own business to meddle into this and to and not know when to leave not know when to leave (laughs) and stick around long enough to become a believer in this is probably going to be a stupid white girl (laughs) so seriously yeah so and there we go and that's exactly what happened that's exactly who gets trapped yep yeah um but i also i don't know i also kind of thought of does papa justify because now this is the third set of white people that they they're inhabiting so do they find any strength in being able to camouflage themselves in white bodies or is it just because they can't get black people to stick around long enough to swap I don't know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They don't really explore that at all. We don't really know what would they be interesting for a sequel. <laughs> right. And that, it would have been interesting to see like as I I kind of talked about this earlier when we were talking about their motivation. Like what have they done now that they are in these new bodies to get retribution for what has ha- what they were put through um mm-hmm. to help people that, you know, are like them. I don't know, but we don't really is it like a revenge tale, right? Like, it's not know? anything like that. It just seems like they just want to live forever and work on. She wants to work on her garden. Like that's not strong enough. That's not strong enough, especially because they are supposed to be. Because obviously this part of this body swap conjuring is not real, but who's to say that a hoodoo, a hoodoo conjurer out there somewhere is not strong enough to pull this off. You never know. You just right. never know. Sure. But if they are to that point of that much power, why are they wasting it? Yeah. Body hopping and doing nothing but sticking doing around nothing some with old dank ass mansion. Right. Which is why Get Out has a stronger narrative because there's a reason. Like there's at least purpose given to what the there's villains purpose. are doing. Yeah, they want to inhabit black bodies because black bodies are naturally stronger. Right, exactly. And so there's purpose there. There's motive. There's there's some there's a comment on something. There's not Mm, enough commentary here. No, 
and that's why yeah. Get Out is always going to be the better movie than this one. Film. Yeah, it's just it's just more well thought out, better written. But um, and it explores a social commentary a little more. This one, there's no social commentary. It's just hoodoo no. is specific to African American culture, and then we're just going to make these little jokes here and there. Yeah, about, I wanted a black body this time. It was, you know, right, exactly. There's no yeah. rhyme or reason as to what the race means. Right, except in Kate Hudson's character, which is just a, a, a dumbass white movie with <laughs> a dumbass white girl getting her white ass. Switch the fuck up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How horrifying would it be to you get a mirror thrown at you and then you stand and then you're there and you're in an old ass 80 year old body. Oh, legs broken. Horrifying. Terrifying. And there's the, I like that there's this like sorrowness also too between uh Violet and Ben's bodies looking at each other in the back of the ambulance. Like, yeah, we're, now we're I fucked. Know what I you can't... saw in the mirror. Yeah. Yourself. No, th- <laughs> that is body. That it's a really strong and bold ending. And I really, I do commend this, this film for that. I think it works super well and um, really does incite emotion from the viewer who are like, holy shit. There's so much going on. Not only are we like, oh my God, these people have, are now in these other people's bodies. We're also like, oh my God, these people are now in these mutilated bodies because she threw her ass down the stairs, her legs are broken, and now she's about to go die in a hospice. Like, Mm -hmm. that's dark. That's a pretty dark ending. It is. Okay, I just thought of something. Because we're trying to find the purpose as to why they're body jumping. Mm -hmm. Remember when she's... First going there for I think her interview and she sees the old woman from the gas station walking yeah with a younger person oh, yeah. do you think that they might have been coming from the Devereaux house do you think people the community knows that that house is Papa Justified Mama Cecile's house and they go there maybe for healing or oh oh yeah that might be maybe like, maybe they're still famous in the bayous wow I don't know. That's a good observation. I don't know. That sounds... I could see that. Like, yeah, that the hoodoo community knows about who they are. Yeah. See, but then that should that would have been interesting. Like, if the whole community... Like, if the people at the gas station pulled a fucking Hills Have Eyes and were directing people towards there. I don't know. Towards the house, yeah. Or, like, they're just but all in on it. It obviously seems just very calculated. Like, they get into these bodies and then they wait for the bodies to basically start to fall apart and then they jump to the next one yeah maybe that you could be on the right track for something i i'm just not sure what it is because it's not written in the movie i know i know oh well. I, i'm gonna think about it like that because it makes more sense and it puts the pieces together better so i'm gonna think of it like that and i'm or like in like, and like and like maybe the the hoodoo lady at the shop i don't know maybe her spell like she she's in on it too what if they're all in on it what if they're all yeah, in on maybe. it? I like that. I, I like that reading of it. I'm going to say that. They're all in on it. <laughs> they're all in on it. Maybe. Yeah. Or maybe they just know. Like, maybe. Or maybe she was just genuinely trying to help her and give her that spell to unhex somebody. No, yeah, because it was working. Maybe not everybody knows. But yeah. the true believers, they know. Right. <laughs> they know. Because obviously this person would follow Papa Just... The blind woman would follow Papa Justify's 
screechings because she has the records and right, she's right, playing right. it and everything like that. I don't know. I kind of like to believe that they still practice, that they're still powerful voodoo conjurers and that they stay alive to basically lead a community of, uh, you know. I would like people. to believe that. I really hope that is what they've been doing. Just I'm going to convince myself that yeah, that's happening. Because that is a much stronger um, character arc for our villains instead of just being random so body it, swappers. It's not a, a, a sad ending. It's actually it's a happy ending for... The hoodoo him. community. And, and are they heroes? Yeah, they're heroes of the hoodoo community. Wow, I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. What a beautiful this ending. Nice. I love this it. It's a nice ending. Yeah. <laughs> they get justice, revenge, and they're still powerful. Yeah, and they're young and, and young. sexy. I don't know about Peter Sarsgaard too much. Oh no, that's a no. That's a no for me. <laughs> All right. Um, overall, final thoughts on the film. What would you rate it? I would rate it um uh, let's see. Out of five stars, I would probably give it like three and a half that's what i wrote i said 3.5 i thought that was a i think that's good because i do think it's successful in a lot of ways i do think it like falls you know into some early 2000 tropes that Mm -hmm. you know obviously we've learned from are outdated are outdated Mm -hmm. but i do think it still holds up in a lot of ways and i think it's actually a really beautifully uh, it's a movie with a really beautiful setting um, with mm-hmm. an original story with a bold ass ending and some really good twists and action. Yeah. So. And a nice little intro- introduction into some American history as far as hoodoo is concerned. Of course. Um, it's a part of, a, of an American culture. So African-American culture, especially. But yeah, it's an interesting. I loved reading about it. I found this 84 page article that this woman wrote from the University of Georgia all Dang. about hoodoo and its beginnings and where it is now. And I th- was and like, how were the first it. two paragraphs that you read? It was <laughs> no, actually, luckily she had a table of contents. So I was able to skip around to parts that she had spark I notes. was more interested in. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I, I loved learning about it based from this movie. I would love to see maybe like Jordan Peele get his hands on, on this story. He did. And it's like, called get out. I know, I know. <laughs> They're very similar. They are. But I would love this story retold just with a stronger narrative, a better social commentary. Yeah. I think that would, I would love to see this like come back some way. Like, a, I don't know yeah. if they would do a sequel at this point, but maybe just a retelling or something, a reboot or, you know, one of maybe. those re- yeah. somethings. Yeah, maybe like a Netflix show. <laughs> CW. Yeah. Oh my God, the CW the does the skeleton, skeleton key. key. <laughs> Dove Cameron stars as Caroline. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Well, um, yeah, I think that about sums up the skeleton key. If you haven't che- if you haven't seen it and you stuck around for this entire episode, go check it out. Yeah. <laughs> look up hoodoo after and educate yourself. That's I think right. that's the best. I think that's what I like the most about this is the education of what hoodoo is. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. All right, y'all. Well, uh, thank you for sticking around and listen to our episode on the skeleton key. Make sure to follow us on all our social media platforms. We are on Instagram at Fear the Talking Queers. We are on Gmail. <laughs> on Gmail. Yeah. On Gmail. We're on, we're on we're on the Gmail. <laughs> <laughs> we're fear the talking queers at gmail.com. 
uh, check out our website, www.fearthetalkingqueers.com. You can find all of our reviews. You can find drinking games. You can um, look at pictures of our beautiful faces. Yeah. <laughs> read our reviews. Yes, anything. read our reviews. And on there. Yes, and um, get ready for some bomb-ass merch that is coming your way as we get into February, into the, the month of love. Yes, and hopefully the next time we talk, I will be COVID free. Uh, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> All right, everybody, take care, Caroline, and sweet screams, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> dumb white bitch. <laughs> sweet screams, dumb white bitch. <laughs> Bye.